0: Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Scottsdale Living podcast. I have a fantastic guest on today, Dr. Tyler Enders. He's an orthopedic surgeon over at AZ Ortho. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me, Amber.
0: Um, This is exciting today because I think you guys know I'm a physical therapist, so it's really special when I get to have orthopedic surgeons on, um, mostly because people have tons of questions about why their body hurts, and what they can actually do about it. And so I really like these episodes. Um, You're the second orthopedic surgeon I've had on, and so I'm really excited to feature you today. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. How was your day today?
1: Hectic, busy, as always.
0: Were you in surgery?
1: No, I was in clinic today.
0: Okay, so that's like seeing patients, they come into the office. Seeing new patients,
1: uh, seeing patients after surgery, patients that we've been working up doing physical therapy or in injections or following up on MRIs or any diagnostic images, stuff like that.
0: So people don't really always know, but if they have joint pain first, what do you treat?
1: Um, So my specialty is uh, sports or arthroscopy and shoulders. Um, You know, in in our orthopedic training, we kind of learn everything. We learn how to do hand surgery, spine surgery and all this, but we all kind of afterwards go into the little subspecialties, little niches. Um, mine is arthroscopy and shoulders. Um, and that's pretty much everything about the shoulder, shoulder replacements, shoulder arthroscopy, fracture care, um, anything in the knee, knee arthroscopy. Um, I don't do knee replacements. My partner, Dr. Kavanaugh, does those. Um, I do elbow arthroscopy. And then all the general orthopedic stuff, such as fractures, uh, minor stuff like carpal tunnel, some of the easier things like that I can
0: handle easier things, he says. So, these are the <laughs> things that most people sometime in their lifetime will have to deal with.
1: Yeah, I'd say most people at some point have to see an orthopedic surgeon for some reason or another.
0: What's like the average age of people that start coming in saying, oh my gosh, my knee or my shoulder hurts?
1: That's hard because I see a wide spectrum. Like today I mm-hmm. saw, I think the youngest age that I saw was 10 and the oldest was probably 92. oh So, I see a wide spectrum, you know, and the, the younger kids typically it's broken bones. Um, they don't really tear tendons or ligaments as often as adults do. And then in your 20s, you're getting the weekend warriors, the ACLs, the rotator cuff, the labrum, stuff like that. Um, and then once you hit 50, it's more arthritis. Uh, rotator cuff tears become very prevalent You know, with each decade after 50. It's almost exponential, the, the percentage of people that have rotator cuff tears. So um, shoulder is a lot of what I see in my practice. And that's what I kind of like to focus on when I can.
0: I love that. So a lot of people probably have questions about when they should actually start going in to see an orthopedic surgeon and how do we
1: see you? Okay. So um, our practice is called AZ Ortho. It's uh, on the Honor Health campus on the 101 and Shea. Um, As far as when to come and see us, um, that's, that's a hard question to answer because we can start the workup process and send a physical therapist such as yourself. Or start uh, looking at imaging MRIs, or start treatments such as in injections. Um, you know, one common thing that I've heard from a lot of people is, "Oh, you're an orthopedic surgeon; you just do surgery," and that's completely not true. You know, we there. You for just referred a especially. patient over
0: to avoid surgery, actually. Yeah, and it's that, my company exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I am a very conservative person, and, and if the surgery is needed, which it rarely is. Um, I'll do the surgery, but I want to exhaust all the possible conservative treatments that we have before going to surgery to know that we, look, we've tried A, we've tried B, we got to go with surgery because once you do a surgery, there's no going back. Mm-hmm. If you do some physical therapy or an injection, you know, that that that's not as irreversible as a surgery is.
0: So that's interesting. One of the special surgeries that you do is a shoulder balloon. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So that actually is a little bit different where it is... It can either be from failed surgeries, right? Like mm-hmm. rotator cuffs that haven't really repaired correctly. Do you want to talk about that a little yeah, bit? Because yeah. it's it's not like a permanent thing.
1: No, it's okay, not. Okay, so talk it's, about that. It's very interesting. So it, here it's in the new. United States, it's very new. Um, it's called the InSpace Balloon. It's made by Stryker. Um, it was developed in Israel, and it was it's been used extensively in Europe for over a decade. And they have a lot of literature there. Um, supporting it. And it just became available in the U.S. in July of 21. Um, So it really hasn't been in the U.S. very long. Um, And it's a great option for a problem that, you know, in the past we didn't have many answers for. Um, So who's, who's an ideal patient? It's a patient that has a massive irreparable rotator cuff tear and that can either be from a failed surgery or they tore the rotator cuff decades ago And never had it addressed and now it's so far retracted and atrophied that to an attempt and a a repair, um, it would be unsuccessful. So, um, but it's also for patients that don't have arthritis or those patients that are like late forties, early fifties, that aren't great candidates for a shoulder replacement. Um, And and basically I liken it to, it's almost like a breast implant. It's a little bag um, that you put right here underneath the, the bony part of your shoulder you inject it with saline. So it fills up. And What it does is it pushes the humerus down, kind of replicating the role of the rotator cuff to allow the deltoid to be able to function and take over um, the, the motion and the power for the, uh, the de- efficient rotator cuff.
0: So it's like a window that swings up, but it keeps hitting an overhang. So we're creating space so that it can still swing open.
1: Correct. And it's, it's giving the deltoid a, a better lever arm. It's putting the deltoid back on stretch and it's depressing the humeral head so that, so that motion can be restored. Mm-hmm. And it, and, and yes, it is uh, bioabsorbable. So within te- 10 to 12 months, um, your body does degrade it. However, the interesting thing is in all these studies, you know, they've done these big meta analyses, which are basically just looking at all the different published research out there. And they followed it for five years and 10 years. and, They've demonstrated that even though the balloon degrades within 10 to 12 months, um, at this five-year and this 10-year mark, the patients retain their motion Mm -hmm. and they retain their pain uh, alleviation from the surgery.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. It
1: is. And it's, you know, it's it's not like a shoulder replacement where once you do the shoulder replacement, you've removed the humeral head, you've removed bone. You can't go back from that. This is a 15, 20-minute procedure. You're in, you fill up the balloon, you're out. Um, and it's, it, you're not really burning a lot of bridges like you are with a lot of other surgeries.
0: Yeah. I do love that. That's amazing. I do too. Um, and the fact that your body basically starts relearning how to do it the correct way, just because you put something in there it doesn't have yeah. to be permanent. It's not metal. Um, you mm-hmm. know, there's so many advantages to that and yeah. who knows how many people could be helped by that. What? So you said forties and fifties. What about if I have like, a an eighty-year-old woman who has like terrible muscle mass, and it's because her rotator cuff is overlengthened, like it's been hanging, and she hasn't been very active. Would that be somebody that it was appropriate for that, or not really? Not,
1: not if it's not torn, because that you're going to have the rotator cuff and the balloon taking up the space. Um, it's not really indicated if there's an intact rotator cuff. It would be off-label to do something like that. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. So tell me a little bit about the knee surgeries that you do.
1: My favorite surgery is an ACL. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's just a fun surgery. I had know. one of
0: those. I didn't like it, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's my favorite, not the patient's So uh-huh. I know it's a, it's a very painful surgery to go through. Um, another kind of unique niche that I do is patellar instability. So uh, when your kneecap dislocates, you'll hear people say my knee dislocated. Typically, they're talking about their kneecap. Uh, true knee dislocation is actual uh, emergent surgery. <laughs> this is different. But um Anyways, the way that I approach this, there's different reasons for patellar or kneecap instability, and I, and I can go into depth about that, but I won't because there's a lot of different reasons and a lot of different angles that we measure, but um, one of the interesting techniques that I do that uh, was developed by Fulkerson, who is kind of the name in patellar instability, at least in our world in orthopedics, um, he did what's called an MQTFL reconstruction, so it's basically reconstructing a ligament here on the inside of the knee, um, but instead of the the standard or the go-to, which is MPFL, which a lot of people do, the the downside to the MPFL is that they have to drill into the bone, mm-hmm. they have to put anchors into the bone. With my technique, which was developed by Folkerson, um, it's all soft tissue. We go through the quad tendon, and we're avoiding any complications that you can have with the kneecap. And his results have been equivalent to the to the other procedure. So. Um, I think it's a unique surgery that I do in that uh it's a little bit easier and better outcomes I feel for that.
0: Very cool. What is downtime after surgeries usually? People ask that. They seem like they don't know, but when somebody comes into AZ ortho, what's the information that you're giving them? So, you know, I know it depends on each surgery.
1: Yeah, it does. But what
0: is the if you had a a knee injury, then a shoulder injury. And you had to have something done. What's the procedure that you do with the least downtime, and what's the one with the most downtime or rehab process? Yeah,
1: I, I'd say a general rule uh, for both knee and shoulder is about six weeks of some type of protecting your repair. Mm-hmm. If it's a fracture, if it's a ligament reconstruction, if it's a rotator cuff tendon, something like that, usually it's about six weeks of protecting it, whether it be by a sling or a knee immobilizer, or some other form uh, of protection. And then after that, you slowly start advancing in both your motion and strength and and activities. But I'd say the general rule is about four to six weeks. Mm-hmm. And then you start pushing it up with people like you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah um, we've gotten to see some cool cases together. We had a guy that fell and broke his shoulder, and it was pretty complicated. Yeah. He's doing amazing right is, now. Yeah. And your surgery was fantastic. Um, there He did not want to have surgery. But like you said, you talked to him, you did the whole process, you monitored him with several imaging procedures that were definitely required because unfortunately, when this guy had fallen, he went to the ER and he just had one image done. And that image didn't really show the depth of the injury, unfortunately, because x-rays, MRIs, you know, CT scans, they all have different like variable levels of what you're really looking at and how deeply you can get detailed. Um, you know, we're talking like a high def camera versus like those little things you used to use at a wedding. Um, (laughs) and so, you know, when you have something that's really complex like that, it was just so fantastic to actually have a doctor that I'm like, Hey, this is going well, this is not going well. And we really got to come up with a plan of care together, um, that I felt comfortable with. And the surgery itself was absolutely amazing. He was adamant that he was not going to get a surgery, but there was. Even from the very first time I saw him, I was like, "This is going to need to be addressed." Yep. Um, and so compliant, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, do you find that your patients are typically compliant after surgery, <laughs> or is that really hard? And and how do you feel about that?
1: It's it's hit or miss. Um, I'd say the to be a hundred percent compliant, no one really is. Um, and I, I'd say we kind of expect that and build into our thought process about how we treat it um, as far as a mobilization and stuff like that. And we kind of be a little bit over conservative a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. just to kind of expect those types of non-compliance issues or, or okay, this guy's going to be doing way too much. Let's just, you know, <laughs> keep him in a sling for a little bit longer, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it's hard to predict those things, but we just try and overemphasize, you know, my personal strategy with surgeries. I give them a packet before the surgery, telling them what to expect, uh, red flags, things to look out for, what to be calling for, what to get worried about. And then after the surgery, when we begin physical therapy, for most of my surgeries, I have a whole detailed protocol, which I give to the patient to bring Mm -hmm. to the therapist. Um, And and they're just guidelines. They're not, you know, I'm not a communist where you have to do this, do this, do this. (laughs) this. But they're guidelines for the patient and for the physical therapist um, to get an idea of what they should be doing, what they should be working on, and things to avoid.
0: Yeah, definitely. So important. It's a recipe card, but it doesn't really, it's like cooking, not baking.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like jazz music.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you play yeah. any instruments? Yeah, I do.
1: Yeah. You do? I do, yeah. What do you play? Um, for about 20 years, I played the drums. And then when I left uh, Colorado, I started playing the guitar. I just picked up the guitar. and you just picked guitar. it
0: up. Yeah. Those are smart people things, you guys. <laughs> <Those>. <laughs> just picked up guitar. Uh, my family's, highly musical. And oh, yeah. I know you have a bunch of kids and my mom's dream was like to basically have the Von Trapp family. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> she wanted all of us to play a different instrument. We all, what sing. do you play? Do You play some, uh, I can play piano and clarinet. Clarinet okay. was like my big one. I wanted to play oboe, but we couldn't afford an oboe, but my dad got this clarinet at a garage sale for like $25. When I used to go to music school mm-hmm. like, during the summers, yeah. um, band <laughs> I, camp, you I, mean? band camp? I went to band <laughs> camp, uh, I had different tone than everybody else. And my sectional instructor, he basically said, you have like a super high handmade wooden clarinet that sounds very different. It's like a, it was awesome. But I used to play with like the army band and I was always in this, like I played in high school. I did too. I was in middle school, played in high school, but I had an unfair advantage. My godfather was the band director. Okay. So, you know, I, it was cool. But he also got me an oboe through the school, so I was able to also learn oboe because the school purchased one and I was able to use it. Oh. How cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. My mom taught violin; like, music's huge. Yeah. But um, the other cool thing about music is it lights your brain up like in a completely mm-hmm. different way. Oh yeah. yeah, it's a it's like ten languages at once. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing.
1: Yeah, I have a. I, I got my kids a little keyboard, so they. they put, I, I took piano lessons when I was a kid too, so. I can, can still remember a few little things but um they like to just it's one of those things that has all the beats too so yes. they, just, they dance like around the with that um <laughs> a lot of times i'll play the guitar at night to kind of put them to sleep um i don't i don't that's have any so classical cute. training i just play by ear i just you know, doo, 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 doo. wow
0: yeah. okay that's amazing people who can play like like you mentioned jazz who can hear music and play the instrument yeah that don't need to be able to read music. I do not have that talent. Not even close. I'm the it's opposite. It's amazing I could, to watch. I could
1: never read music. Wow. I was always by ear. And that's like when I played the drums, I love jazz band because it's, you don't, it doesn't matter what the sheet says. You just play to the beat.
0: There's something called um, synesthesia. And it's where you mix sensory systems together. Mm-hmm. Like people can look at math and see music.
1: Yeah, I've heard of that. Before. You know, like or yeah.
0: or hear music and see color. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, It's amazing. I think those people are like true geniuses. That's not me. Improv is fairly (laughs) genius, though. It really is. To be able to hear something and then play it through something you only have heard your fingers move, basically. That's amazing. Um, So tell us a little bit about your family. You have a bunch of kids. I do. I know your wife. That's how we met. Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) So I have three young kids, uh, two girls and a boy, um, nine, seven, and almost five. We got ten more days, and he's gonna be five, my little guy. I like
0: your countdown. <laughs> he's probably <laughs> telling you every day. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and then I re—I got remarried this year in January to Audrey, my wife, who you know, beautiful. Um, and she is pursuing a career in acting. She's currently in L.A. Actually, at an acting course. Um, just started about two years ago, and already within two years, she's had a lot of success. So, so cool. It's really cool to watch yeah, this whole process. You know, from the acting classes to. You know, little student films to, I I got to see her on a big screen already, which is really cool.
0: Is, she, was that this weekend?
1: No, 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 no. Okay. Um, that was a couple months ago, actually. That's she has cool. two shows on Amazon now. What are Amazon they? Amazon Prime. Scott Stell is the TV series, and then uh, 12 Steps to Recovery is a, a full length movie, actually. Wow. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh, that's really cool. Yeah. When is she back?
1: Uh, Monday. Okay. Back Monday.
0: How is it like, you know, at the house now? You're in charge you have everything
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's good she's the glue you know she's because of her her career choice she she gets to help out a lot with the kids i have my kids 50 50 um so she takes them to school and she'll pick them up and my kids absolutely adore her they love her like my son at nighttime uh you know i'll try and put him down to bed or brush his teeth or help him he's like no Away, oh, hey, Daddy, I want Audrey, and he's always <laughs> pushing me away, and I'm—I feel a little offended sometimes. At first, I'm like, "I'm your dad," <laughs> you uh-huh. know? But he loves her so much, and it's—it's it's really cool to see. So it's—it's oh, it's, it's cool how they've really accepted her, and she's accepted them as—as as her own.
0: That's so special. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful.
1: And we probably have more in the future.
0: Yeah, that's yep. exciting. Yeah. You guys will have beautiful children. Thank you. you guys have a beautiful <laughs> family. Absolutely gorgeous. Um. Okay. So. What does your life look like? You know, people, I just, before I was in PT and got to meet some doctors, I still imagined that you worked like 30 hour
1: days. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. So
0: what does it, what does it look like? What do you do for fun? Do you have time for like actual life?
1: I do. Um, It it varies, you know, especially in the beginning of your career, which I'm, I'm fairly new out of training. So I've only been in practice for three years. Um, in the beginning, you know, a lot of us take a lot of call, mm-hmm. which is always extra. You know, it's not like our normal work week stops and we just focus on the call. No, we still work our normal week and then we have to go deal with whatever things come in on call, mm-hmm. either after hours in between patients, whatever, and do the surgeries after hours. So that adds a, a, an additional stress. Ideally, one day I'd like to get rid of call and not have to worry about that part of it. In my life. Um but the normal work week isn't horrible. You know, I think I my office we we see patients from 8 to 4, um, which is very reasonable. Yeah. Um my surgery days, you know, I, I most of my surgeries are elective outpatient procedures which can be done in a surgery center. So I'm rarely operating past 4 or 5 p.m. Wow. Um now, there's work to be done at home. There's mm-hmm. notes and stuff and you know, patients to answer and stuff like that, but it just becomes a little bit normal and routine and um, you kind of just get ex- you accept this lifestyle where you're kind of always feeling like you rush to do this or do this or answer this, and you kind of learn to multitask very well and juggle a lot of things. Sometimes better than others. Like yesterday, I wasn't too good at juggling that, and you kind of forget things. I need my own personal assistant as well sometimes. But
0: I just hired a personal assistant, and it's like I was telling Doctor Ender's before this that. I feel like Christmas came early. It's the best thing I've ever done for myself. I'm really excited because I often feel like I'm juggling 20 things and getting none done. It becomes overwhelming. So I can only imagine like.
1: My list of stuff to do every day, it's, I, I never get through it. It's just, what can I, what can I take off? You have to like triage stuff. Yes. Okay. What needs to be done today? What needs to be done tomorrow? What can I put off until this weekend or when I have a little bit more time? And that's kind of, I guess the key is just triaging. Yes. Appropriately triaging.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Otherwise, the list just grows into an unmanageable yeah. mess, and then you're like, I have to hide this list.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have to hide it. Where's the closet? I gotta shut the door on that. Um.
1: <laughs> I, and I, <laughs> I think having a family, like my wife, she's completely understanding. She, she understands, and she'll be very supportive when I have to leave or spend time away from the family. You know, she never puts up a fuss. She never. Complains and she helps with the kids. She helps with the house. She helps with everything. I think having a, a good support system behind you is is key.
0: Any successful person has to have yeah. that. Yeah. Period. Doesn't matter if you're a surgeon or, you know, you work at Circle K. If you don't have the support to get your job done, you cannot do it effectively. Even and in there's an office, a million jobs behind that. Yeah, yeah. Even in
1: office, our MAs, you know, our surgery scheduler. There's a whole team. You know, when you come in and see a, a doctor and you have to go through surgery don't realize how many different people get involved in that whole process you know the physical therapist the surgery scheduler the front desk people the people at the hospital to schedule the surgery you know there's so many people involved just for one person mm-hmm. that kind of work behind the, the scenes and and when one of those parts are defunct or missing that makes the parts for everybody else a lot more difficult so i, I think having a good team behind you is important and that's a big part of why we opened Easy Ortho this year, I think, you know, we were I, previously, I was part of a big corporation um, based out of Boston. So they weren't even here, but they were kind of dictating what happened out here. And I was very unhappy um, personally and with the care that my patients got mm. because consistently every day in clinic, I would have patients complaining about, oh, we've been calling. We haven't, we haven't heard any message back. We've been trying to see you for weeks or even post-op patients, you know, and, and that feeling of I I know my patients deserve better, and I'm doing everything that I can, but all these other parts that I have no control over, I didn't like that feeling, and so that's why we branched out, myself and my two partners, Dr. Larson and Dr. Kavanaugh, and started our own business because we wanted to be able to control those things. and And it's not just the surgery that we do; it's the it's the whole experience for the patient, calling to get in and. Um, follow-ups and and stuff like that 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 matter too because it's a it's a the whole experience it's not just what we do mm-hmm. and so i felt like that is a big part and that's why i'm happy now in the in the in our practice that we've developed
0: i think that that's a huge deal i my very first job as a PT, i worked in a hospital in my hometown and i went to go observe a surgery that i'm going to treat this surgery all the time i'm going to go do an observation and It was a scary situation The the surgeon was yelling at literally every team member prepping for surgery. Mm -hmm. It was upsetting like to be in that room and, you know, whatever the stress factors were, he was bringing that into the surgery and he was bringing it into work. And then everybody's stressed out. Nobody can perform that way. You can't, you know, you don't feel like you're creating something and doing it the right way. Like you're listening to music. It's super stressful and not in a productive manner. And so having satisfaction in your work literally allows you to see people and speak to them in a friendly manner. It, you know, like you said, the support at home allows you to do that. It's, it definitely leads to a hundred percent better outcomes. It, I remember working in those environments and just sometimes wanting to cry when I went home. It was Mm -hmm. just so overwhelming. And I, it's hard not to take it anywhere else outside of work. And yeah. I think everybody who's ever worked a job they hated can feel like that. So when you do find something, that's the balance that you like, you're like, you know, I get out at four, I have some notes to do. Like, that's it. Yeah. You're making it. And yeah. you're not just making it for you. You're making it for your patients, Yeah, You're making it for your team. You're making it for the front office. So I applaud you for taking that step. It's awesome. Thank you. Um, I rem- you mentioned about your partners, Dr. Kavanaugh and Dr. Larson. So, mm-hmm. um, Touch on what they do. Yeah, I know what they do, but tell people what what yeah. all the things you guys
1: treat. <laughs> of course. Um, so my partner, Dr. Kavanaugh, he specializes in hip and knee replacements, and so he did his fellowship in um, his unique uh, uh, surgery that he does. It's called the Jiffy Knee, and he's been doing a lot of marketing about this, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, f- f- even outside of Arizona, have been hearing about this, which is amazing.
0: Jiffy like peanut butter brand, like Jiffy yep. Knee. Yeah, yeah
1: the Jiffy Knee. <laughs> Um, Quick and easy. But basically, it's just a different approach to the, to the knee replacement surgery. Nothing else has changed, but for decades we've done this incision right over the top of the knee mm-hmm. and we kind of disrupt the extensor mechanism, you know, cutting through the quad and the, and part of the patellar retinaculum. Um, his goes all medial and everything is kind of just folded over. And, and the big part in the recovery is that you know when you bend your knee like this, when you have this incision here, and you have your old extensor mechanism. It goes on stretch by bending the knee. Mm-hmm. And this medial incision, when you bend, it actually releases tension here. And so they're gaining motion much quicker. Uh, their pain med requirements are much lower. And it's just amazing seeing the results of his surgery. Like I would refer my mom and my, my best friends, anybody to him to have this type of knee replacement done if needed. Um, and then my other partner, Dr. Larson, he's a foot and ankle specialist. He is a podiatrist by training, but he is a zebra in our world because he actually did an orthopedic foot and ankle fellowship, which not a lot of podiatrists do. So he does way more than a standard podiatrist. Um, he does a lot of total ankle replacements, uh, minimally invasive bunion surgery. Um, so basically from shoulder to toe, we have everything covered except for the back.
0: Uh, you don't do any back. Toes. Okay. So not the back, not necks, no...
1: I do some hand stuff, any like, you know, in depth reconstructive surgeries for the hand. I, I don't do those, but carpal tunnel, dupatrins, trigger fingers, simpler things like that, I can treat.
0: Um, What about people with gout? I've been seeing a lot of people with gout pop up. Have you? And, yeah. And then later, if they kind of either didn't identify it early on, it looks like they have like massive bone spurs and they can't extend their toe. And it's like, Nuts! Is that something that Dr. Larson sees?
1: Yeah, I, I, he'll see anything from in the foot. He does a lot. Huh. Um, his training out there was phenomenal, and there's a number of guys here actually in the Phoenix area that have done the same fellowship as him. There's only one in the country too that does this orthopedic foot and ankle that allows podiatrists to come in and train in that setting. Wow! Along other orthopedic surgeons. So. All
0: right. Um, let's go back to the shoulder. We talked about the balloon procedure, but we didn't talk about others. So what are the other big shoulder surgeries that you like to do or that are like Kenny kind or of Forte, I guess?
1: Yeah, rotator cuff obviously is probably the most common one. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I approach a rotator cuff, you know there's different augments that we can do nowadays that I've been excuse me adding. Um, one of them is a is it's like a dermal patch to kind of reinforce your repair mm-hmm. or if you have one of those partial thickness, tears that you're you're kind of 50 50 do i leave it or do i take it down and repair it Well, with this new patch uh that has been you know there's many different iterations of it um with many different country companies um but the patch that i use it's nice and thick and easy to deploy and easy to use i think it's a great addition to augment the the rotator cuff repair Mm -hmm. um shoulder instability um and then shoulder replacements. I do a fair number of shoulder replacements too.
0: So shoulder replacements have been around a little while. And I think that when they first came out, people were like, what? Like just, well, what am I going to be able to do with this afterward? And some of them come out really amazing. Yeah, I had a lady that like went back to play tennis. Like she was fine. Yeah. Um, You know, some of the limitations that I usually end up seeing though are like they can't quite reach up the middle of their back, which is not that uncommon when you have a shoulder that stops moving anyway yep. in any form. Um, what about frozen shoulder? A lot of people have frozen shoulder. Yeah. Um, tell people about what that is.
1: Frozen shoulder is uh, when your body, for whatever reason, um, produces a lot of scar tissue. And so there's three main phases that, I, that we uh, discuss with frozen shoulder. There's a freezing, a frozen, and a thawing stage. So in the beginning, it starts with a lot of pain. You have a lot of pain. You don't know why. Um, have difficulty sleeping. and Then you start to lose motion on top of that. And by the end of the freezing and up towards the frozen stage, a lot of times they can't lift their arm above shoulder height and they can't really extend out and they, they lose a lot of their motion.
0: Yeah. My mom couldn't smack us in the back of the car anymore.
1: She's like, ah, <laughs> That's ah, a good thing. Then, right? Yeah. You know, no. It's...
0: Yeah. We were like, ha.
1: <laughs> oops. All so one for the frozen shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Um, And then there's the thawing phase, which eventually a lot of those, uh, a lot of that scar tissue will kind of just break up on its own and they'll start to regain motion. It's it's a process that we define as self-limiting in that if given enough time, a lot of times this will resolve on its own. However, that can take a long, long time. It can take over a year, sometimes two. Sometimes people don't want to wait two years to not be able to touch the top of their head. So there's different things that we can do to speed that up cortisone injections, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And then if given enough time and they fail these conservative treatment options and they're tired of not being able to touch their head or the pain, they didn't never really got over that hump and the pain just continues for months and months and months, then we can go in and, and treat it arthroscopically.
0: What does that mean? So you've used that word a bunch of times and people don't really know. Yep. What does that mean?
1: So arthroscopic means I, I use, make a little poke hole incision and put a little camera in there. It's like the size of a pen, a skinny pen. Yeah, it's like five millimeters. Um, and then from the other side, we use little or long uh, tools to do whatever we're doing. And we do it all under, and we're looking at, it at the big screen. So we have the camera mm-hmm. in the joint and we're looking at the screen and we're doing everything, looking at the screen like this.
0: Video game surgery. It is like a video <laughs> game. It
1: is, totally. Um, <laughs> in fact, I always use an analogy when I do elbow arthroscopy. Elbow arthroscopy is very difficult. Very rare. But if you've ever played video games and you know, if you want to look up, you press up on the thing. If you want to look down, you press down. Everything's reversed in elbow arthroscopy. So if you want to look up, you got to press down. And it just takes a while to kind of get that mental hand communication going again. I I do elbow arthroscopy, but every time I'm like us.
0: That's weird. Why wouldn't they just put like a mirror or something like a 90 degree mirror and have it reflect? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like there's another technology solution for that you could have. Um, but yeah, man, uh, it's amazing. It's amazing to know that these resources are out there. So if somebody has an injury, do they have to go see their primary doctor first?
1: It depends on insurance. Okay. Because some insurances require a referral to be able to see us. Sometimes they don't.
0: So if they need to know that information, Should they just go to their PCP first and get a referral over to you, or can they call your office to see if they can call our office
1: to see? Yeah. Okay. Our office will be good at at telling them based on what insurance plan they have if they need to have a referral. And even if, like, say you had a fracture and you come from the emergency room, that counts as a referral. So Mm. if you get an emergency room, or even a physical therapist can refer to us as well. Yes.
0: Awesome. Uh, so you do do injectables as well. So if somebody's having pain, they could come in almost like a pain clinic style
1: oh, yeah. appointment. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a big part of any orthopedic surgeon's practice is cortisone injections. Mm-hmm. We use them frequently. Um, they're a very powerful drug. Sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and people often ask, okay, how long is this going to last?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the number that's one a, question. That's a tough question because Ooh.
1: everybody is so different, you know, and and the pathology is so different. It can last days. It can last weeks. It can last months. Sometimes it's one and done. Yeah, I love so that. It's really hard to tell. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the best. I've had it <laughs> myself. And done. Yeah, I've
1: had a couple one and duns. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, I'm that's a big good. fan.
0: That's good. Uh, so that's awesome. Your office really does everything. It is cool. I got to come in right when you guys had opened. Yeah. yeah, yeah you like, here's the marketing yeah. mini- material. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Note to self, stop in at the office. <laughs> um. What are things that, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes I get like a Christmas card, and it just lights my whole day up. Mm-hmm. But what are the things that you've like had an impact on for people, or somebody that you you're like, man, I was so glad I got to help that little lady yeah. who fell off a
1: horse, or whatever yeah. it was. I did have one of those recently. <laughs> um, I've had a couple patients recently, either you know, in office or via a note or something, um, just expressing how thankful they are and how appreciative they are and how much. That i've helped them and those are the things that's that's why i got into this and that really excuse me um that that's really why i do this you know and and to feel that you've had a, such a, a positive impact on someone's life that's i mean it's that's why i'm here that's why i do this
0: agree agree well you're absolutely fantastic you're a wonderful Thank human you. i love you and your wife you have a beautiful <laughs> family and you're an amazing surgeon um, you know, I look forward whenever I get a text from you like, "Hey, can you see so so so?" It's amazing. I'm glad we have that that relationship because I really think it elevates the care in general. 100%. I wish every I mean, sometimes I I've sent a note over and I don't think anybody's ever seen it. When I talk to you or your team, like everybody knows exactly what's going on. We can yeah. hand things back and forth and my patients are absolutely through the roof ecstatic about ecstatic about that so thank you oh,
1: thank you i prefer it too you know to being able to reach you know every time that the guy that we were talking about in the beginning uh-huh. every time i would see him in office i would text you okay this is what i saw this is what i'm thinking yeah so helpful and and yeah to be able to help you know with the recovery and with the rehab and all that stuff i think it's um, indispensable i think it's a great relationship to have
0: definitely well thank you so much for being on is there anything else you really want to share with listeners and how do people get a hold of you
1: um. Don't be afraid to come see an orthopedic surgeon <laughs> because we don't just cut. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I think that's a big fallacy, and I think that's what prevents a lot of people, a lot of times, from oh, I don't want to have surgery, so I don't want to go see a surgeon. It's kind of like the duck your head in the sand type of thinking. And but that's not true. You know, I I think both myself and my partners all want to help guide you through the process and, and to whatever me- ends that means. We want to be there to help guide and, and help. Gets you into the right uh, treatments, um, gets you in to see the right people, and and I'm not afraid to refer to someone else either, even another orthopedic surgeon, if it's something that I'm you know that I haven't seen before because that does exist still, um, or something that I feel uncomfortable with. I don't have a problem saying that putting the patient in the right hands for what they need. Um, and then as far as contacting us, um, azortho.com is our website. You can call our office. We'll get that number up on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the most part, we try to see all new patients, new injuries within a day or two.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. And nobody so we'll does that anymore. In. It's I know. fantastic. Yeah.
0: I'm like, I have a guy for you. Just call them today. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that's great. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you, Amber. Yeah. yeah. If you guys have any questions, don't forget to Check over at azortho.com. And that has been your episode today of the Scottsdale Living Podcast.